Mark 2 begins with one of the most well-known Jesus stories. It's a story about a man on a mat who needs healing. But it's also a story about the man's friends. Friends who are willing to go to great lengths for their buddy, including, as we're about to find out, causing some serious damage to a home that probably took a good amount of money to fix. Welcome to Season 6 of Stories in Scripture, a podcast dedicated to telling the big story of the Bible one piece at a time. In this season, we are walking through Mark's Gospel. Our hope is that these short episodes would lead you into more, into a time of reading, reflection, prayer, whatever it is for you. The goal is that you let the amazing story about the Savior of the world transform the way you live out your life today. The house was packed. When word got out that Jesus was coming back to Capernaum, the people were waiting. The house was big, but not that big. At the beginning of the day, Peter assumed they'd have plenty of room, but he quickly realized he was wrong. Person after person piled into the home in such large numbers that they began piling on top of each other, filling out the patio, cramming through every window, all to hear more teachings from Jesus from the man who was saying things they had never heard before. Preaching about a new way to live that felt like so much more than just rules and obligations they had to follow. Instead, Jesus was giving them an invitation to stop playing that old game and do something new. To fight back, but to use love as their weapon. To be great, but to do it by serving. And to be first by learning how to be okay with being last. Peter watched as the rabbi preached, holding nothing back. He glanced down the horizon toward the path that he knew so well. Despite it being the heat of the day, there was still a steady stream, a curious crowd making their way toward the home. And all the people in the house showed no sign of leaving, not with the front row seat to hear such new teaching. Peter was always scanning always on the lookout for trouble. It had been that way ever since his first night out on the water. His father had taught him to keep his head on a swivel, to always be watching out for incoming storms, for problems in the boat, for rival fishermen getting territorial. In short, to never trust that things were as peaceful as they seemed. It's not that Peter didn't trust people, it's just that he had always taken it upon himself to watch out for others. With one eye, he watched the rabbi, with the other, he scanned the crowd. Which is why he was shocked when he heard footsteps on the roof. His attention immediately shot upward, honing in on each step. Crowding the house was one thing, but jumping on the roof felt like a line that shouldn't be crossed. If they didn't cross the line in that moment, they certainly did in the next. The sound reverberated through the entire home. Digging? Really? Are they cutting a hole in the roof? Jesus kept talking, but not even his compelling teaching was enough to hold people's attention. Not with all the commotion above them, especially as the bright sun shone through the house as the group successfully broke through. Peter glanced at his brother Andrew. The pair always knew how to communicate non-verbally in these types of tense moments. But just as they were about to ascend the roof on either side, the group on top of the house began to lower a mat down into the home. 
There was a man on the mat whose eyes were wide, equally shocked and embarrassed. The man gave Peter a look, a look that melted his fear. Anxiety gave way to compassion. This man was not dangerous, he was desperate. Peter could tell he was rehearsing his speech as the whole room watched him, holding their breath as he was lowered down. But Jesus spoke before the man even had a chance to talk. Son, your sins are forgiven. What? The man was so caught off by Jesus' opening line that he didn't know what else to say. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, we'll, we'll fix the roof. I just, I just, son... Your sins are forgiven, Jesus repeated before he had any chance to talk himself out of it. The man just stared, searching for words. He hadn't come to have his sins forgiven. He had come because he had been stuck on this mat for so long. He wasn't worried about his soul as much as he was his body. He needed healing. He wasn't the only one feeling uneasy. Peter glanced around at the crowd, especially the religious leaders, the ones who seemed way more interested in critiquing than learning. What started as murmurs turned into shoutings. Did he just say your sins are forgiven? He can't do that. Who can forgive sins but God alone? This is blasphemy. Peter's chest began to tighten. The shouting ramped up. But he glanced over to Jesus, who didn't seem worried one bit, wasn't even looking at anyone shouting. His eyes were fixed on the man who had been lowered down on the mat. He was speaking to him, reminding him of his identity. Son, he kept saying, son. The man on his mat just stared back at him, tears now filling his eyes as if something was breaking down deep in his soul. A wall that had been built up, a belief system, a narrative about himself he believed to be true was coming tumbling down. As if he was realizing for the first time, maybe ever, that he belonged. That he was not a burden, but a blessing. Jesus smiled and nodded. Then he looked up and addressed the crowd. Why are you saying these things? He said to no one and everyone at once. Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned back to the man on his mat, no longer worried about hiding the tears as they slid down his cheek. I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. The man hesitated for a moment. Then he smiled and began to wiggle his toes. At that, his face lit up, matched only by the four friends up on the roof, beginning to elbow each other in disbelief. Then the man stood to his feet, picked up his mat, and began to walk. The first step was slow the second cautious, but by the third, the man stepped forward with youthful excitement, laughing, shouting, amazed. He wasn't the only one amazed. The rest of the crowd was beside themselves. Even the religious leaders were rubbing their eyes, trying to figure out what they just witnessed. In all their years, they had never seen anything like this. Like every Jesus story, there are lots of layers to this one. 
We'll talk way more about healing as we go, but it's well worth noting that the physical healing came after the soul level healing. His sins were forgiven and he was reminded that he belongs. He was reminded that he is a son even before he was invited to stand up and walk. Now, the obvious question is why? And what does that tell us about Jesus? Well, for starters, that our sin problem is the real problem. That's the foundational problem that everything else is built on. But also, that it's all connected. That physical healing, spiritual healing, emotional healing, it's all connected. That's not to say that every time you overcome some identity crisis, you'll find physical healing at the same time. That would be way too oversimplified. But just to know that our whole selves, yourself, everything that makes you you is way more connected than you realize mind body and spirit jesus didn't seem to be interested in the quick fix he always seemed to be looking to do the healing beneath the healing or answering the doubt beneath the doubt or responding to the question beneath the question that's one of the reasons people just didn't know what to do with this man So Mark keeps telling story after story that seem to be alluding to a deeper truth, that Jesus came to do something utterly different than anyone else in all of human history. And we didn't even mention that it was the man's friend's faith that first grabbed Jesus' attention. Did you know that your faith can heal your friends? And that when their faith is down, you can let them borrow some of yours? I often picture the man who got healed laying his head on his pillow at the end of the day thinking, wait a second, I can walk. That's amazing. All my sins are forgiven. That's incredible. But then I imagine the last thought he had as he drifted off to sleep was, I have the best friends in the world. A community of people who will go to such great lengths to carry me all the way to Jesus, up to the top of a house, cut a hole in the roof, and beg for healing. Now, one last note as we end. Jesus just forgave this guy's sins. In order for sins to be forgiven, he would have had to make the journey to the temple in Jerusalem, offer a sacrifice, and go through all the steps. But instead, Jesus just said, I got it. I'll take care of it. That's no small statement to make. It's no wonder the religious leaders were furious. And that's all I will say about that for now, but pay attention as we go through Mark's gospel, as Mark brilliantly lays out Jesus's deeper message. All the healing and deliverance is great, but there's a message beneath the message. Jesus is telling and showing us something even more important, but we're only in chapter two. So we'll get there one story at a time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Stories in Scripture. We hope season six is bringing Mark's gospel to life for you. And that this episode helped you see the bigger picture Mark is painting for us. If you are enjoying this podcast, we'd love for you to share it with your friends. And rating and reviewing goes a long way as well. We love getting to tell these stories and appreciate you coming along for the ride. So we'll see you next time for our next story.